Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's message. Our hope with this content is that it would help you come to know Jesus, follow Jesus, and lead others to do the same. If you're grateful for this word, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe to our channel, and also you can partner with what Jesus is doing here at Elevate City through giving. There's a link below for that as well. Here's today's message. I can't wait for you to hear it. Well, if you're new, welcome. My name is Joey. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, go ahead and grab them, open them up to Galatians chapter six. Um, All summer long, we've been anchored to the book of Galatians, and I hope that you've been reading through it throughout the week, that every single Monday you read Galatians one, and on Tuesday chapter two, and Wednesday chapter three, and so on. I hope that you memorize Galatians chapter two, verse 20. Um, Do y'all think I can do it with my eyes closed? Cause I don't know if anybody noticed, but it looked like Bailey kind of glanced down at the screen. Did anybody else see that with me? I'm not trying to call you out or anything. So I'm gonna do it real quick with my eyes closed. Galatians chapter two, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Where's the Sunday school treasure chest at y'all? Where's it at? so that I can get my prize. Um, I hope that you have hidden the word of God on your heart and that it's changed you. And one thing that I think is so cool is in just a second, we are going to read through the final chapter of Galatians. And that means that throughout this summer study, we have read every single word of Galatians in our services, which I think makes an incredible statement about how elevated the word of Jesus is in this church, amen? That we hold it up as supreme and authoritative and believe that it does not return void. The uh, writer of Galatians is the apostle Paul. And he was like a serial church planner in the first century he would go into an area where there was no church, where there were no Jesus followers and he would preach the gospel and he would make disciples and he would start a church and he would raise up leaders and he would equip them and then he would put them in a place to succeed and then he would go on and start the next one. And he would do this over and over and over again. But the way that he would stay in touch with these churches was through letters. He would write these letters to these churches, instructing them, challenging them, encouraging them, offering them insight. And that's where we get the book of Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and so on. These are letters from the apostle Paul to these young churches. And what would happen is one of these letters would arrive via courier. And somebody from the young congregation would get this letter and they would stand up in front of the church and they would read it out loud as the congregation sat on the edges of their seat, just listening for every word, listening to the words of the apostle Paul and what instruction or encouragement or revelation or insight he was going to give them. And then a leader from the church would get up and they would explain it. And they would explain the implications that it had for this community of faith. And so for the last five weeks, that's what we've been doing. We've had somebody come up here and read section after section or chapter after chapter of this letter. And then one of our pastors would teach through it. And today we close out reading the entire letter of Galatians with Galatians chapter six. And I'm gonna invite a friend, um, Maya up to the stage, who's actually been interning for us this summer in Elevate Kids. And uh, today's the last day of her internship. So y'all welcome Maya to the stage as she comes and reads Galatians chapter six. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the word has been crucified to me and I to the world. 
For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear the, bar- the for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Can we thank Maya for reading that scripture and for what she did for your kids and students this summer? Come on. So good. Well, if we could uh, sum up in one word what we wanted for our church to experience this summer, that word would be freedom. Let me hear you say it. Say freedom. If you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, just write it in big, bold letters, freedom. What we've wanted you to get into your soul this summer is freedom. And not the freedom that the world provides or what the world offers, not freedom of the flesh, not the freedom that you feel when you see like an empty Chick-fil-A drive through and you're like, freedom! Not the freedom that you feel when you like go to the beach and you see it and you take off, not the freedom to do whatever you want, but the freedom that God talks about, the freedom that is only found in the person of Jesus. Like our heartbeat is that this house would be known as a place of freedom, amen? Like we want when people drive by this building to go, freedom reigns in that place. Like if you go there, you're gonna experience freedom in worship. When people go to Elevate City, they get set free. They get set free from societal expectations. They get set free from other people's opinions. They get set free from religiosity. They get set free from the crushing weight of sin. They get set free at Elevate City in Jesus' name. Like at Elevate City, prison walls fall to the ground. Chains get broken. People get set free. That's been our hope throughout this summer that you would see God's heart for freedom. The reason that we studied the book of Galatians isn't so that you would know more theology. It's so that you would get set free. Knowing theology is great. I love theology, but only when theology leads to an experience with a real living God. And when you know about him and that his heart for you is freedom. And so we studied the book of Galatians to see people get set free, to see people get set free from little pet sins that hold us back and rob us from our potential to see people get set free from giant sins that make us feel like our current reality is the only one we will ever know, to see people get set free from lies about the gospel and lies about God, to see people set free from believing that Christianity is a performance-based religion, to see people set free from the crushing weight of religious expectations that Christian culture puts on you, but that Jesus does not to see people set free from the toxic shame and striving and pretending that comes with believing a fake gospel. And I sincerely hope that this summer that some religiosity, that, that the weight of that religiosity, that it's gotten off of you and that some grace and truth has gotten into you and that you now know the freedom that your heart longs for that is only found in Jesus. I got two big things that I want for you thinking about all night long. As we close out this series, there are these two ideas that I want for you to be wrestling with and uh, leaning into. And maybe even for a second, you'll stop thinking about what I'm even saying and you'll just lean into what God is saying to you about these two issues, these two questions that I want for you to hold in your mind all night long. And it's this, it's on a card that you got if you walked in today. And the first one is after this summer, after studying Galatians, maybe just after what the Holy Spirit says to you tonight, what are you living free from? What are you living free from? What did you used to be enslaved to and held captive by and chained to that you're now going to be living free from? And secondarily, what are you living free for? What are you living free for? I want for you to know tonight that Jesus did not set you free to stay the same. He wants to give you a new purpose and a new identity What are you going to do with the freedom that you now have? I am free for what? To be the most generous person on the planet? To be a walking billboard for Jesus? To live out from under the societal expectations that culture puts on you and live into the God dream that God has for you? What are you gonna live free for? What are you gonna live free from? I don't want a single person to leave tonight without answering those 
questions. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, it reads like a proverb. And Proverbs are wise sayings. There's a book in the Old Testament that's all about Proverbs. And they're these wise sayings, these wise truths that if you get into your soul, you will live well. And for five chapters, the Apostle Paul has been in deep doctrine and theology. He has been trying to combat the lie that works of the flesh can produce freedom. He's been trying to literally articulate the gospel in its fullness and going, it doesn't matter what you do. What you do does not set you free. What Jesus has done is what sets you free. You can't be set free by circumcision and you can't be set free by dietary laws and you can't be set free by the Mosaic law. You can't be set free by what you wear or how you dress or how you talk. What Jesus did on Calvary sets you free. And Paul has been getting into the deep end of theology for five chapters over and over and over again, saying you can't earn it, you can't strive for it, you can't work for it, you've got to receive it. What Jesus did sets you free from the Mosaic law and it sets you free from sin. And now what Paul does is he's starting to make a shift. For five chapters, it's just been, he's been beating this drum of the gospel sets you free. You can't set yourself free. I love, um, it reminds me of an old Martin Luther quote. That's what Galatians does. Um, Martin Luther says this, he says, we should know the gospel well, teach it to others and beat it into their heads continually. And that's what Galatians does. Like, don't forget the gospel. I know you've heard it since maybe you were a little kid and I know you think that you've got it down and I know you think you can regurgitate some phrases and some information, but I want for you to get it in your soul that you are free because of what Jesus has done and not because of what you do. And now what he begins to do is he shifts and he wants to give us some wisdom about the freedom that we now have. And I wish that I could just like go through every Galatian proverb that's in chapter six tonight, but we don't have time for that. And so I just picked four, four of these Galatian type proverbs, these wise words of wisdom for what you and I should do with our freedom. I'm trying to help you tonight as we bring this series to close and you're wrestling with these two questions. I'm trying to give you some wise words of what you're supposed to do now that you've been given freedom. The uh, Justice Bureau did a study in 2005. This is very interesting. In 2005, there were 401,288 state prisoners that were set free. And by 2014, there were 1,994,000 arrests of those same 401,000 prisoners that were set free. There was an average of five arrests per released prisoner. Track with me on this. Within nine years, 83% of the prisoners that had been set free were back in prison indicating that as humans, once we've been to prison, we struggle to live free. Once we've been in the chains of sin, once we've been slaves to sin, it is incredibly difficult for us to really live like we're free. You see, what sin does is sin teaches and trains us to be a prisoner. And what the gospel wants to do is to teach us and train us to live free. And that's what Galatians chapter six is all about. We'll pick it up in verse one. First proverb, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. You need to know tonight, that if you are a Christian, you are set free from sin, but sin isn't done trying to make a slave of you. There's some good news if you're a Christian, that for the first time in your life, you've been given a new heart that doesn't bend towards sin, but if you have given your life to Jesus, a transfer has taken place. He has removed your heart of stone that is addicted to sin, and he has given you a heart of flesh that now actually craves the things of the spirit. You're not a slave to sin anymore. You don't have to stay on that treadmill of making those same mistakes and giving into those same desires. Apart from Jesus is all you can do. But now you've been set free from sin, but I want for you to know living in this world, sin is still out there trying to make a slave of you. 
You've got to be aware of that, that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you won't get caught in transgression, just another word for sin. Now, when most people read this verse, when most people read, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, what the emotion that it produces is fear. It's fear. They feel that they're going to get caught in whatever sin they're a part of that no one knows about. Like you read that and you think about the sin that you know that you're caught in that no one else knows that you're caught in. It produces fear. People feel fear. They're afraid that someone's going to see their internet search history. They feel fear that someone's going to catch them in the lie. They feel this sense of fear that someone's going to call them out on their pride or someone's going to walk in at the wrong time or bring it up in the wrong setting. They feel like someone is going to read through their text messages or their private messages and see who they've been talking to when they tell their friends they haven't been talking to that person. They feel this sense of fear that someone's going to ask them about their Bible reading or their prayer life or their giving or the lack thereof. They feel fear that whatever lustful, prideful, sensual, sexual, slothful, hypocritical behavior that they're engaged in is going to be brought to the light, and then they're going to be crushed for it. They're going to be judged for it. And they actually carry the sense of fear with them all the time, just this fear that someone's going to bring it up, someone's going to talk about it, someone's going to call them out. But I want for you to know tonight that that scripture should not make those of us who are caught in sin feel fear. Feel fear. It should make us feel freedom. Because Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 indicates that God's heart for those who are caught in sin is not rejection. It is restoration. And that is good news for those of us who are sinners tonight. Church, I want for you to know that to be a Christian is to be a forgiven sinner who is a work in progress. I want for you to turn to your neighbor tonight and say, I'm a work in progress. If you're sitting next to your spouse, say, I know. <laughs> hey, how freeing does that feel? To go, listen, I'm a work in progress. Like I'm not there yet. I'm not who I used to be, but I am not yet who God is growing me into being. Like, yes, I still fall. Yes, I still stumble. No, I do not have it all together. How freeing does it feel to come out from behind the masquerade of religious pretending like we never doubt and we never question and we never stumble and we never slip up, but to just be able to go, listen, I'm a work in progress. Like Jesus is still engaged in this process of making me new, of changing me from the inside. And I can come to the altar and say that God's not done with me yet. That is good news for sinners who still struggle. That is wisdom for sinners who struggle. To not hide behind some religious masquerading, but to believe that God is still restoring me. In uh, 1975, um, Historians began to work on the Acropolis in Athens. Here's a picture of it. And the Acropolis is one of the most famous historic sites in all of our world. And obviously throughout the years, it had been turned into ruins and it had been decrepit and um, it, it needed a restoration work. And so historians began to work on it. And in 2005, 30 years after the project begun, the European Union had spent 35 million euros on the restoration work, only to report that it would require 20 more years and 47 million more euros to complete it. If that's not taxpaying dollars hard at work, I don't know what is. It's 2022, and the restoration work is still underway today. So I want to ask you, if historians and government agencies are willing to spend that much time and that much money and that amount of resources to restore a building, how much more will your father in heaven spend everything that he's got to restore you? 
He will do whatever it takes. Go to any length. He doesn't, ma- he doesn't care how long the process takes. He doesn't care how many times you've stumbled in this sin. He is still engaged in the process of restoration. He'll get in there with the leaky pipes and the chipped paint and the faulty foundation and say, let's build, let's restore. We serve a God of restoration. And that's good news, Elevate City. That God says, I have set you free and now you are free to engage in the process of restoration. Hey, look right at me. Some of you need to know that you are free to repent tonight. You are free to confess tonight. You're free to come out of hiding tonight. You're free to say it for the first time tonight. You're ready to own, you're free to own that mistake tonight. You're free to stop pretending and going through the motions and say it out loud, confessing it tonight. You are free to get caught in your sin and let God's work of restoration begin. That word caught, it has two meanings and it can mean caught like you uh, like got found out like I was sneaking out of the house and my mom caught me. It can mean caught, like you got caught in an affair, but it also has this other meaning. It can mean caught, like you got stuck in or you got trapped in, like you were walking through life and you got stuck in the briar bush of sin. It's like you got, think about like driving in the snow. You got caught on some ice and then you got caught in some snow and you're stuck and now you need somebody else to pull you out. You didn't see it coming. You didn't move towards it intentionally, but just as you were going through life, you kind of got caught up in this sin. Have you ever been there? When maybe it was unintentional, maybe it was just something that happened. Maybe it was the loss of a job or the sudden loss of a loved one or um, a kid got sick and life got stressful and you found yourself managing the pain, managing that gnaw with substances or with excessive Netflix watching or with gossip or with a secret relationship and you didn't even mean to get there, but you look up and you go, how is this what my life has become? I just got caught in this. And what Paul is saying is it doesn't matter how you got caught, whether you got found out or you looked up and you saw yourself caught and you wondered how you got there, God's heart for you tonight is restoration. He wants to restore and to redeem and to make you new. Listen, being free doesn't make us immune from sin. It simply gives us the strength to finally confront it. I love what um, 1 John says. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I cannot tell you tonight about the power of confession. The freedom means you don't have to conceal your sin, but you can confess your sin. And when you confess it, when you speak it out loud, something powerful, something radical, something freeing happens. And I want for you to know that tonight we're not going to close out service as normal. We're not just going to go through the religious motions of a church service in Atlanta, Georgia. We're actually going to have an opportunity for those of you who are struggling with sin, who feel like you've got this picture of the freedom of the gospel for the first time, who know that you are secure in Jesus, you are saved in Jesus, not because of what you do or haven't done, but because of what he's done. But you got to get some stuff off your chest tonight. You wanna step into freedom and stop letting the weight of religion and sin own you and define you. And we're gonna have a team of people who wanna pray with you and who wanna walk with you and who want to carry that burden with you. And it's gonna happen. And so some of you, like you're, you're nervous now because you know that's the step that you need to take. But I want the peace of the spirit to just land in your heart and tell you for certainty that whatever you bring to the altar tonight, that it is not going to be met with judgment, but it is going to be met with gentleness. Galatians chapter six, verse one, restore that brother in a spirit of gentleness. It says you who are spiritual, translation, a Christian, have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Those people, when we see our brothers and sisters caught in sin, we restore them with a spirit of gentleness. We are free to restore with a spirit of gentleness 
and not judgment because we're not chained to the law. If we were chained to the law, we would judge people. But because we're chained to grace, we can gently restore people because Jesus gently restores us. It is God's kindness that leads us towards repentance. The idea that the Apostle Paul is talking about here, it's a really interesting one. It's this idea of not letting a wounded soldier die. You know, in the church, we have this tendency of shooting our own. It's like we preach this message of radical grace. You ever notice that? Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how far you've gone. Doesn't matter the skeletons in your closet. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. You can come to Jesus and he will love you and accept you and freely redeem you. But then as soon as that person does, as soon as they start walking with Jesus and trying to get discipled and they stumble into sin, we shoot them. Say they're disqualified. They're no longer able to be used by God. They can't sin and make a mistake. You're supposed to be a Christian by golly. How are you here all over again? And Paul is going, no, don't let a wounded soldier die. Realize that you're performing surgery and that you're taking a bullet out. And so be gentle. Yes, is it going to hurt? Of course it is. Is it going to be painful? Yes. Does it require a change of life? Of course, I can't walk the same after I've just had a bullet wound removed. But be gentle. I don't know about you, but it breaks my heart, the damage that we do to each other. Like if we would just get in the business of extending grace and restoration to the religiously wounded people who are around us in this city, this building would be packed and would have no space. If we would just start caring for people who had burdens heaped up on them by religious institutions and who had false understandings of Christianity preached to them and who were uh, slaves to legalism. And so now they've been chewed up and spit out and want nothing to do. If we would create a space for them to feel restored and to understand grace and truth, there would be no limit to what God would do for this movement. What if we would just start being gentle and caring and realizing that none of us are there yet? And that we are all still in process. Proverbs, this, the second Galatian proverb is uh, found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. And it says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I want for you to try to think as we've been studying this series about the contrast this is with what the Judaizers have been doing. Remember, the Judaizers have been trying to heap the law on these new Christians. They've been trying to say, hey, I require this of you. You've got to get circumcised. You've got to eat this way. You've got to dress this way. What Jesus has done isn't enough. I require more of you. They are putting burdens on these believers. And what Paul is saying is, I want for you to carry the burdens of these believers. No doubt this bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, it had to immediately remind these Galatians of what Jesus said in John 13. When Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So let me just ask you in the freedom that you've been given, how well are we doing with this command? How well are we using our freedom to fulfill the law of Christ? I mean, think about it for a second. If you've been set free from the law and now you just got to keep one law, how good are you at fulfilling that law with your freedom? The best way, maybe the only way to answer that question would be with a name, like an actual person, like a who, a when. Uh, how did you carry the burden of a person? How did you step in and step up and step under the burden that they were feeling and carry it for them? You see, verse one is saying that with our freedom, we've been given this opportunity for confession and this opportunity for restoration and to bear a very specific burden, the burden of someone's sin. And we can come alongside them as they confess and experience freedom and as we restore and extend freedom. That that what we can do with our freedom, a wise thing to do with our freedom is to confess, to restore, and to be restored. And then he's going, you know, another wise thing to do with your freedom is not to serve people in a specific area of sin, but to serve people in just every general burden imaginable. Like you've been freed up to not live for yourself, but to live for others. In the typical world order, life is about me. In this new world order of freedom, life is about serving 
people of every kind of burden that they carry. And so I just started to think about some burdens that people have that just immediately came to mind for me that I'm wondering, are we carrying these for each other? Unemployment, unwanted singleness, homosexual desires, infertility, caring for the elderly, getting sick, being diagnosed with a disease, depression, doubt, bills, parenting toddlers, parenting toddlers, parenting toddlers. I think about the burden of ministry, that there are so many burdens of so many people and too few people to carry those burdens. There should be times, Paul is saying, that you used your freedom when you saw a need and you met a need, when you prayed for them, when you encouraged them, when you served them, when you stayed up late and you cried through the night and you were present and you were there and you made meals and you shuttled kids and you cut grass and you paid bills. There should be burdens that we carry for other people. We are free to do that. We are free to not just make life about what we can get and what we can achieve and what we can experience, but who we can serve. In the kingdom of the world, you are a slave to your own desires and to your own kingdom and to making life about you. But Paul is going with this incredible freedom. You get to serve people. You get to carry their burdens. Can you tell a story when someone has done this for you? I hope you can if you're a part of this church. Can you tell a story when you've done this for someone when the weight was heavy and you picked it up? The idea here is like of luggage of a traveler, that there's this traveler. And I just imagine like a single mom in an airport and she's wrangling kids and she's got all these bags that are stuffed full. And there's so much luggage. There's such a burden of luggage that she can't bear it herself. And Paul is going, you're free to walk right up to her and say, I will bear that burden for you. Let me carry what you don't have the strength or the ability to carry. You know, life tends to be heavy. There tends to be stuff and problems and difficulty. And God is going, I want for you to use your freedom to allow people's problems to touch you. To not live insulated from difficulty, but to step into difficulty. You see, what happens is we take all of our stuff, all of our challenges, all of our stress, the stuff at work and the stuff at home, our anxieties and our insecurities, our to-do lists, our struggles, our shortcomings, all these things that are just burdens. I've got, I've got a tough schedule next week and I've got family commitments and I've got all of this. And it all goes into this like box, okay? It goes into this box that is just like heavy and, or, or this piece of luggage or this bag that's just heavy and it becomes over time, over life, you'll get to a season if you haven't been there where you can't lift it on your own. Have you ever seen um, one of these labels, one of these signs? Warning, heavy object, two-person lift required. Have you ever seen one of those warnings? Now, if you're anything like me, when you see that warning, you don't take it as a warning, you take it as a challenge. Oh, I will lift this on my own. Okay, <laughs> let me show you Ikea. <laughs> And so you take it as a challenge to try to lift it on your own. I can lift this on my own. I can carry this on my own. And I want for you to know tonight that that's not freedom, that's slavery. It is slavery to self-reliance and it never goes well. One of the freest places, don't miss this tonight. One of the freest places to live, this is just great wisdom. One of the freest places to live is knowing that there are things in life that are too heavy for us to carry alone. Like if you can get there and you're American, self-made, I've got it, I'm gonna do it, pull myself up by my bootstraps, self-reliant culture that we live in where we're so individualistic and not familial and communal the way that the Bible wants us to be and you could get to the end of yourself and you could just ask for help. Will you bear this burden with me? It will be one of the freest places you've ever been in your life. There is this 
virus of self-reliance that I want for you to get set free from today and for you to know the wisdom that comes when you invite other people into your life. This is why you need to be in a group. This is why we do base camp. This is why we're so passionate about discipling relationships and community. This is why if you go to base camp, you'll hear me say, get in a group, find a tribe to do life with people who can carry your burdens. Problem is that today we live in a generation where we've got a thousand Facebook friends, but no one to carry our burdens. No one to lift us up. And so we've got all of this freedom to go and to pursue and to dream, but we can't even step into the greatness that God has for us because this burden is so big and so heavy to try and carry alone. Some of you your challenge with this idea is that you let somebody bear your burden, but they dropped it, right? Like you've tried Christian community before. You've tried to be in a relationship where you told somebody what was up, you told somebody your struggle, you told somebody the difficulty that you were going through and they said they were gonna help, but then they didn't. And so now you're just like turned off and you don't know if you can trust people and you've been emotionally hurt by relationships and so you won't let anybody get close anymore. And I understand that, that's very real and something that, we, man, we'd love to help counsel and coach and walk with you through, but this is what I can guarantee you is that if you try to carry your burdens by, or, or with people, if you let people carry burdens, with you, they might drop it, but if you try to carry it by yourself, you definitely will. You definitely will. You will drop that burden and not be able to carry it alone. Life is too heavy to do alone. Paul is saying, don't do this free life alone. I want to tell you about the power of prayer to lift burdens. Like if you're in community with people, there may be nothing greater that you can do to help step in to carry people's burdens than pray for them. This is why. If I ask you, hey, what's going on? What's going on in your life? Can I help you? No, I'm good. I'm good, bro. I don't need anything. I've got this. I can do me, self-made, millionaire, right? Like that's gonna be your mentality. If I ask you, hey, can I help you out in any way? No, I'm good. But if I go, hey, can I pray for you? Oh, all of a sudden God's in the equation and you might have some things that I can pray about. So as we ask people are like, how we can pray for them, what it does is it identifies the burdens that they're carrying. And this is what I do. This isn't like a Galatian proverb. This is a Joey proverb, okay? Um, when I ask somebody, how can I pray for them? I assume that God wants me to be the answer to that prayer request unless he says otherwise. So like somebody goes, hey, this is what I'm going through. C could you pray for me? And it's like, okay, can I meet that need? Can I serve them? Can I speak into that lie? Can I step into that situation? If I can, I do unless the Holy Spirit says otherwise. That's a great way that you can bear people's burdens. Another way is to pray right there in the moment. Do you know how powerful it is to not just hear somebody say, yeah, yeah, man, I'm praying for you, but to actually get that prayer right there in the moment? I want it to be a, us to be a church where all throughout the lobby, people are talking and sharing things and they're not like, yeah, man, I'm gonna pray for you this week, but I'm gonna pray for you right now. I'm gonna put my hands on you and pray for whatever you're dealing with to be lifted in Jesus' name. Because prayer is a burden lifter. You know that this is what Jesus did for us. Like if you don't think that what we should use our freedom for is like a wise way to use our freedom is to lift burdens and you don't know what Jesus did. First Peter chapter two, verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Jesus bore our burdens on his back. He carried the burden of the cross, had the burden nailed to him, died on our burden for our burden to free us from our burden. He is the great burden bearer, the great burden taker, the burden freer, and we've been set free to do the same. Next proverb, Galatians chapter six, verse six. What do we do with, with uh, this freedom? How do we live wise in the freedom that we've been given? Galatians chapter six, verse six. Let the one who is taught the word Share all good things with the one who teaches. You know, just a really wise way to share or to uh, uh, live in the freedom that Jesus has given you is to share your beach houses and your mountain houses and your boats with your preacher. <laughs> share your cars and your cool clothes. Just share. No, that's not what this scripture is saying. It's saying that free people know that the free gift of grace generates generosity that when you've been freely given grace, that what it does is it generates generosity in your heart, that giving is never something that we get set free from, it's always something that we get set free for. 
So like there's this ideology where people kind of debate on if the tithe is a New Testament principle or not a New Testament principle. And I think that it is the tithe being that you give 10% of your income to your local church off the top, first 10%. I think it's biblical because Jesus talks about it, but we can get into that debate another time. I want for you to know that if it's not New Testament Christianity, that what Jesus actually talks about in the New Testament is even more intense. Because it's not that you just have to give 10%. It's that like all of it's now freed up to give. You can, you can give 100% of it if you want. Um, and so some people, they go, oh, well, if I'm free in Christ and I'm free from the law and I'm free from the tithe, then I don't have to give anymore. And I want for you to know that that's like a really unwise way to live. Really unwise way to live. Because Jesus says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What Jesus knows is that you and I, we are chained, we are slaves to our treasure. Wherever it goes, we go. So what we put our money in is what we will become a prisoner to in some regard. And so one of the greatest ways, like I'm just trying to give you real practical, life lived, biblical, know it, tested it, tried it, wisdom. If you want to get free, if you want to live in the freedom of the cross and you want to get free from materialism and you want to get set free from debt and you want to get set free from the crushing weight of just trying to climb the corporate ladder to make more money and have more things and achieve and the pressure that that creates and the stress that you feel that comes with that, start to give some of it away. Start to live generously. You're literally going, I'm not free to having more for myself. I'm set free to give to other people. It's this radical free way to live life. You know, like being in ministry is just like weird I didn't know all of the strings that came attached to it that people would like judge the clothes that you wore or the shoes that you had or the car that you drove or the house that you lived in. And they would think that you were supposed to take this like vow of poverty to serve the church, right? And so like there becomes all of this, like you're living on a microscope in certain ways when you step into ministry. Like, oh, how can he have that much money? How could he take that trip? How could he drive that car? And so like there's this like pressure in religious circles where pastors feel like really uncomfortable with decisions that they make with their money. And do you know for me what's like wildly freeing is you can look at my bank account and I give more than 10% to the church. And so I, it, for me, it's this like real free place to go, oh, wow, God, you've given me this to actually like live in freedom. And if I wanna take a trip with my family, or I wanna buy my wife something nice because she is fine, then I can do that and not feel judged for it because I'm living in the freedom of the guardrails that God has given me. And I, I don't know how that's landing in your heart, but I want for you to know that you are, like some of you, I just know it. Like I just sense the spirit, like trying to get me to drive this nail. We don't need your money. I want you to have freedom. So I'm just trying to like drive this in for you that like there is this slavery that you're living in to your job and to stuff and to a nicer house. And if you would build generosity into your life, you would feel this sense of contentment start to wash over you that would be an incredible gift to your soul, an incredible gift to your soul. And Paul is going, that's what I want for you to see, that the one who is taught about freedom needs to give so that other people can experience freedom. There's this joy that comes with it when you know that the money that you've been given is not just for you, but once again, it is for other people. The fourth and the final wise word for those who are free. Galatians chapter six, verse nine. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. I wanna read that again. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. I think that every person who wants to do something great with the freedom that you've been given in Christ needs to memorize this scripture. Like, just look at it. If, let, let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Check it, freedom is free, but it ain't cheap. Freedom costs Jesus his life to purchase for you and I. And it's gonna cost you not giving up to reap the benefits of freedom. You know, every kid, like when they're living with their parents, they want what? Freedom. I want my license so I can drive. 
I want to be able to go out when I want. I want to be able to eat whatever I want. I don't know about you guys, but I remember being a kid in the grocery store and standing at the checkout line and I would always ask my parents, can I get some candy? And they'd always be like, no, you can't get any candy. And I was like, when I grow up, I will never go to the grocery store and not buy candy, right? Y'all remember this? And now every time I go to the grocery store, I never buy candy, but I thought that I would, right? Being a kid, all you want is freedom. You want that ability to stay up as late as you want, be able to go wherever you want and eat whatever you want and drive wherever you want. And then you get out there in the real world and you realize stuff is expensive. And you got bills to pay. And there are consequences for your actions. And all of a sudden, the weight of freedom, it starts to weigh on you knowing that you are now responsible for the decisions that you make. And that in this world of freedom, that sometimes it's really hard and that it's a grind and that it's costly. And I think that sometimes what happens with Christians is you learn that God has set you free and that he's been giving you this blank canvas to go and to step into the world and to make disciples and to dream dreams and to not be held back by religion. And that freedom, man, it can start to cause us to grow weary. I think that weariness is on the move in this day and age. I notice just a lot of weary people, tired people, exhausted, burnt out people. And I want for you to know that we don't all of a sudden get weary, we grow weary. Like this is just wisdom for what you're doing with your freedom. You step into freedom and it's exciting and it's vibrant and it's beautiful walking with Jesus. But as you walk with Jesus, difficulty starts to come and decisions have to get made and life starts to intersect and bills have to get paid and kids get sick and they've gotta get to school and you gotta wake up early and you gotta teach them to tie their shoes. And, and just the pressures of life take that freedom that you've been given in Christ and it causes your soul to start to grow weary. You think it just happened over one night, like one day you woke up and you're weary, but you don't just get weary, you grow weary. If you look back, you can see that there were these little choices that happened over time, ways that you used your freedom that caused you to get into this place of weariness because you and I and everyone else have the same 24 hour day, free 24 hour day. And Paul is going, how are you gonna spend it? Because how you spend it will determine who you serve. Are you gonna take the time to get in his word and to sit in his presence and to listen to his voice? Are you gonna take that freedom, that blank slate of a 24 hour day and use it to serve people and to have a mentor and to be mentored, to make disciples, to live on mission? Are you gonna use that 24 hour days to just fill up your schedule with more and more stuff that pushes the world in and that pushes the spirit out? He's going, you're growing weary with this freedom that you've been given and I want for you to not grow weary because in due season, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And I just wanna give a wise word to some of you who are getting ready to give up. You've been patiently waiting for a spouse and abstinence and you're just wondering, are they ever coming? Don't give up. You've been diligently trying to invite your friend to church and to make disciples and you've been inviting and extending the invitation and posting on social and you just don't know if you can take another rejection. Don't give up. Some of you, you're growing weary. You started your Bible and the year plan in January and you're seven months in and you're the book of Job and your life feels like the book of Job right now. And I'm just telling you, you're growing weary, but don't give up. Up. There's a harvest in your marriage. There's a harvest in your relationships. There's a harvest in the kingdom. If you will not give up, you've been given this freedom. And Paul is saying, don't grow weary. You can have a growth mindset that sees every obstacle as an opportunity that is strengthening you and maturing you and preparing you for what God has for you. So stay planted in your Galatians chapter two, verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. 
So now that we've got some handles on how to live wise with this freedom that we've been given, I wanna ask you the same question that we started with tonight. What has Jesus set you free from? And what has Jesus set you free for? I wanna remind you that you have been crucified with Christ, that those sins and then that past and that those desires and that those habits, that they were nailed to Calvary and that you're not who you used to be, but that you are who this new creation says that you are, that you can live for the kingdom. And so as the band comes and we're just gonna take a, t- a, a moment for everyone to just sit with the spirit and to think back, maybe you wanna grab your Bible and flip through Galatians 1, 2, and 3. Maybe you wanna look through notes. Maybe you just wanna search your soul and do business with God. Is there something that I've been concealing that I need to confess? Is there some step of generosity that I need to take? Is there someone's burden that I need to bear? And is there something that I need to not give up in because God has a great harvest for me. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the book of Galatians, that it has been setting prisoners free for 2000 years and it continues today. God, I pray for that person who is dealing with feelings of shame and condemnation. They're dealing with lies about who they are because of decisions that they've made. And they know that there's some sins they need to confess. They know there's some steps that they need to take. They know that they need to experience some prayer and some freedom tonight. God, I pray that you would draw them. I pray that your spirit would move in them. God, I pray for the person who has just been wasting their freedom. That Jesus has set them free, but they're living like they're still a prisoner a prisoner to this world and to the things of it. God, I pray that your spirit would just break us tonight and that we would understand the fullness of your freedom. We would know that it doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want to, but it means that we've been set free to live the lives that you've created for us. So God, just let freedom reign in this place tonight. Let spirit of surrender rise in this house tonight. And let us live as the free children of God. I prayed in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.